Welcome to the River of Life Church podcast, your home for weekly messages that will equip you in your spiritual growth. Thank you from everyone here at ROLC and enjoy the sermon. How many of you believe that we really need a move of God? I remember when I found the Lord. I remember the outpouring of God, many my age and the whole hippie movement, finding Christ. When I saw the movie, The Jesus Revolution, I wept the entire movie movie because I was a part of that. I was one of those unsaved rockers who found Jesus. And the passion, that's a word I think we've lost sight of when it comes to the things of God. The passion that was within that generation to see their friends find Jesus. For me to see my bandmates find Jesus. Family members. People literally were bringing visitors by the scores to encounter, not a church, but Jesus. And we need that again. And I know that's coming, but I want to be a part of it. More than anything, I will be a part of it. And I want all of you, and God wants all of you. You're the congregation. You are many people vacationing these final few weeks of August. I get it, but God wants to move in all of you, those present and those away today. He wants to move in them because As He moves in them and you and all of us, He moves in this community. He moves in this church. He moves in the surrounding communities. All of you, if we had a raise of hands, we'd probably see an array of representations, Solberry, Doylestown, Plumsteadville, Buckingham, Warrington, Warminster. We have Jerseyites that come here. You know, so we would see representations of many people from many various communities And God wants to move where you have been planted. But He needs our help. He needs us. Think about it. Jesus was God incarnate. How many of you believe Jesus was God in the flesh? He was God incarnate, yet He chose 12 disciples to assist Him. He didn't do it alone. He needed help. When Jesus took on earthen form, he placed himself in limitations. He's omniscient, he's omnipresent, he's all places, all knowing. But when he took on human form, not the Holy Spirit, but God the Son, the Word made flesh, he was limited to one place at that time. So he had to replicate himself so others could help him get the message that heaven could touch earth and change earthen people, earthen vessels, broken people. That's what it's all about. You know, Cindy and I, last last week was our anniversary, 43 years. And thank you all for the birthday cards and and the anniversary cards and and the wishes on Facebook. I've never had Facebook blow up so much. And I actually, I read every single one and responded. I was touched. 
I really was. I know sometimes people, people say, praise God for the like button, because you can just keep hitting it and not really read. But I, I read, and, and thank you. So on Wednesday, or Friday of uh, this past week, Cindy and I went to Baltimore, saw my, went to my hometown, born and raised there, saw the Orioles play the Colorado Rockies. It was a great game. They won. We had great seats. We are right on the front row. I had all the Oriole guys walking around. They didn't pay any attention to me, but they were close enough at times to almost, you know, throw a piece of paper at and hit. And uh, right on our left, there were two male homosexuals. And Cindy and I sat there, felt that spirit, and honestly, our hearts broke. Something God never intended that hurts people. That hurts those men. Violating what God had set in plan, in motion. His purposes. And they missing out. Because for whatever reason, they have believed a lie that Satan placed within their own thought processes. And because they haven't encountered Jesus. I don't mean a historical figure. I mean the life-changing presence of God. They're in bondage. Cindy and I prayed for them. Not there in that moment, but as far as touching them, but in our hearts. And later we got back to our hotel room. We spent the night there. And we were both talking, filled with tears. There's so many hurting people. People with substance abuse. Marriages that are struggling, that are broken. Addictions. There are so many things. Children that are going through physical battles with their health, adults as well. There's hurting people everywhere. And the reason God has touched all of us and the reason He has placed the Christian church, if it's doing its job, if it's doing its job, I preface that, is so that we can be a voice of hope. People need hope more than ever right now. And that's what really prompted my message today. And even the campaign you saw in the announcements, announcements that will take place on September the 17th. More than ever, we need to give people Jesus. I did some research about the state of the country, our nation, is where it stands in respect to its walk of faith in Christianity and even commitment to church ministry. I found some staggering uh, statistics. Do you know this is the first time in all of U.S. history that 53% of Americans identify as non-Christian? Over half this nation does not identify as a Christian. 31% of Americans state they attend church, synagogue, or mosque weekly. That's only 31%, and that's not all Christian. And that doesn't include those of Hindu faith and other religious beliefs. This really blew me away. Remember how you've always heard me say, people on an average in America attend church 1.5 times a month. And I would always make it my ongoing joke, you know, 
How do you go a half a time to church? You know, how, how's that happen? The statistics have changed, but not for the better. As of January 2023, the average church attendance in America is 10 times a year. That's less than once a month. Now, there's a reason for the moral and spiritual decline that we're seeing in this nation. And it's because, as a whole, we have lost the fear of God. When I say the fear of God, I'm not speaking of a phobia. When I say the fear of God, I'm not talking about being afraid of Him. But there's a depth that the Scriptures and the Hebrew and the Greek bring out when it comes to this. And we see this in Solomon's writing in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. Turn in your Bibles. Turn in your Bibles and turn your bulletins over. Write these things down. Let's be students today. Amen? Let's be changed and touched, but let's be students. Let's bring our academia in the arena of the spiritual. Solomon says this. He says, the fear of the Lord. Everybody say the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Again, look at Solomon's reference of the fear of the Lord. And then he goes beyond that and he says, this fear that we're going to examine this morning, it is the starting point for what? The title of my message. Wisdom. Wisdom. Here's a good equation to write down. Life minus wisdom equals disaster. How many of you think that's a good, good, uh, good thought to chew and to ponder on? What does wisdom do? Wisdom builds character. It fosters purpose, reveals direction, and it also provides protection. Wise decisions can protect us from a lot of heartbreak and heartache. But here's the catch. There's only one pathway to wisdom and it begins with my first point, fear. Fear is a word when people hear it, they cringe. I don't like that word. And they ask themselves, how could fear be the starting point for wisdom? Now in our text, Solomon is not emphasizing, as I mentioned in the beginning, a phobia, fright, or terror. But rather, the Hebrew word for fear is defined as obviously fear, but also respect or reverence. So in other words, it means to display honorable recognition and respect towards authority. Think about it. In a court of law, and there's a judge presiding over whatever case is being heard, how do they refer the attorneys and the people? If there's any dialogue that's permitted with the judge and someone in the courtroom, they always refer to the judge as your honor. Now, they may not live an honorable life, or they may. But how they live has nothing to do with the office they hold. And so they show respect or a reverence by honoring the office. In fact, if you disrespect a judge in a courtroom, you could be held with contempt of court 
and even fined and put in jail because of the lack of respect, lack of fear, the lack of reverence towards that position. So with that in mind, why should we fear, respect, or reverence the Lord? Now the first thing we need to take into consideration is God gave His name in the book of Exodus. When Moses was standing before the burning bush and the bush spoke and said, take off the shoes from your feet for where you're standing is holy ground. Holiness. Four nights ago, God came to me in a dream. Didn't even share this with Cindy yet. And he said to me, Be ye holy, for I am holy. God began to burn, and which what has prompted this message. The fear of the Lord gives birth to holiness. When you respect him, when you understand the power of his words, his commands. To live beneath His commands because of our love and passion for Him is to disrespect Him, to dishonor Him. And so when you take and you look at the fear of the Lord and the authority that goes with it, when God introduced Himself to Moses, Moses received a commissioning that day. You're to go to Egypt. For the past couple of weeks, I've been emphasizing Moses in Egypt, the promised land, etc. And God said to Moses, you should go to present yourself before Pharaoh and the Jewish people. I'm sending you as a deliverer for that nation on my behalf. Moses says, God, I don't know if you've looked back at my history, which God knows all of our histories, doesn't he? Look at the person next to you and say, God knows all about you. <laughs> That's why you can't surprise God with your good or bad decisions. Same applies to me. But anyhow, Lord, have you looked back at my history? I'm a convicted felon, a murderer. My punishment was exile from the land I was born in, never to return to see my family, see my people, let alone where I was raised at the court's of Pharaoh's palace. So if I go, I have no respect. I have no name. I don't have a good reputation. My reputation is one of dishonor. So who shall I say is sending me? They'll never listen to me. Some of you even feel like that? How could God ever use me? People know what I'm like. They know my past. I haven't made all bad decisions, but it's amazing how some people I know always bring up the ones I did make that I shouldn't have made. There are many other people you could send. Moses had that argument, didn't he? Use my brother Aaron, right? I stammer when I speak. He doesn't. He's eloquent. And who shall I say is sending me? And God responded, you tell them I am. That was significant. What was God saying? He said, you tell them the first and the last has sent you. The alpha and the omega has sent you. The beginning and the end has sent you. You tell them the king over every kings has sent you. The Lord over every Lord has sent you. 
the judge over all judges has sent you. The one who has the final say has sent you. Kingdoms that have come and have gone, but my kingdom has existed and will eternally exist. That is the one who sent you. The one who says, I am Jehovah Jireh, your provider. The one who says, I am Jehovah Rophi, your healer. The one who says, I am El Shaddai, the God who is more than enough. That's who is sending you. You're not going by your own name and reputation. You're going in my name. And that's what we're called to do. Are you a Christian? If you're a Christian, raise your hand. That means you have his name. Do you hear me? To call yourself a Christian means you have embraced and taken on his name. And when we take on his name, we take on his heart. We take on his passion. We take on his commission. We take on his lifestyle. We take on everything that he is. The writer of Hebrews says, those that come to God must believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God says, I am. And our affirmation is, indeed, He is. He is the healer. He is the provider. He is king over all kings. He does have the last word. He is the Alpha and the Omega. Are you hearing me? That's why we pray for the sick here. And people get healed. Because we believe He is. That's who we serve. He is the one who sets the drug addict and the alcoholic free. He is the one who can heal a home that's broken by unfaithfulness and there can be restoration again. He is. And when Moses stood before Pharaoh, the Jewish people, he didn't go in his own name and neither do we. But I think the reason we become so apprehensive and resistant to doing something for the Lord and being his voice taking on his name and speaking in his name is because we're trying to do it when the Lord says, you're not going in your own strength and power. Think about Moses. Who sent the ten plagues? God. All that Moses had to do was show up. God did the rest. Moses had to speak. God did the rest. And that's what it is for us. Some of you really undervalue yourselves. Those of you watching online, the same thing is applicable. You undervalue your worth. You have value before the Lord. Think about it for a moment. The third person of the Trinity, God the Holy Spirit, that's within you, that's within me. If we had no value, why would God do that? Place His miracle-working, limitless ability within Christians. But how many Christians really believe it? You know what's happening in the world? There are either churches that are just very liturgical and they're going through the motions and it's really about fulfilling an obligation or there are churches that are very entertainment-centered or you're a church where you lift up the name of Jesus and then you leave the results up to Him. And I believe the reason we're seeing such a messed up world is because the church, 
and believers, all of us, we've lost sight of our value, our worth, of who He is and how that applies to who we are. The same I am who called Moses is called all of us. When we proclaim his, uh, Him as I am, we're saying the Word of God is undisputable. See, a fear and a reverence of God means we understand God has the last word. He has the final say. And if we argue with His Word, what we're really doing is we're disrespecting God. We're calling God, I think you're confused this time, Lord. Whereas the Bible says God is not the author of confusion. You know what happens when any individual, any of us can be guilty of this, but when any individual is really trying to authenticate something that they know is not really right before God. They try to change the definition or they try to lessen the severity of what disobedience brings. And so it gets watered down or it gets left out. I brought out how there is now a universalist group that is rewriting the Bible, omitting anything that has a reference to hell, because everyone goes to heaven. Sounds like a Disney narrative. All dogs go to heaven. You know, all people, no matter their lifestyle. Some of the most hideous crimes that have happened throughout history, it's okay. Everybody gets to heaven in the end. That's what Jesus made possible. If we confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts and turn from our wicked ways, then doesn't Scripture say God will hear from heaven, forgive our sin, and heal our land? That's how forgiveness comes. To remove the consequence of our decisions removes any motivation for choosing right over wrong. In fact, it empowers people, eat, drink, and do whatever. Because if you die tomorrow, you'll still go to heaven. We need to understand the Word of God is absolute. And that's why Jesus came. He came because hell was never created for people. It was created for Lucifer, who then became Satan, and the demonic hosts who followed him. Hell was never intended for believers and for people even. Hell is for the kingdom of darkness. And through Jesus, thank God, there's a way of escape. Look at what Paul says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. He says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man or a woman sows, that he will also reap. Adam's disrespect in the garden. He, he disobeyed because he disbelieved God's word. It brought the fall. Look at Jonah. God said Nineveh. Jonah said Tarshish. Jonah's disrespect landed him in the belly of a big fish for three days and three nights. I don't think that's the kind of bed and breakfast any of us would want to spend a few nights in. Look at Samson. His disobedience, his disrespect stripped him of his strength and anointing. King Saul, his disrespect cost him his life. 
Each of these men failed when they lost sight of what? The fear of God. Sometimes, you know, people look left, look right to determine what they will or won't do. Sometimes people shut a door so people won't see in a negative way what may transpire behind a closed door. But you know what? God's always looking. You can't shut the door on him. But Satan will bring us to a point of deception to where we would think that's quite possible. And when we lose sight of the fear of the Lord, he's always watching. He's holy. He has our best at heart. But to disrespect him by disrespecting his word and even his calling for our lives, it hurts him. It hurts him. The fear of the Lord, do you know what it is? When we obey, when we reverence, when we honor the Lord's commands, His desire, His will for our lives, that actually is a demonstration of faith. That means every time you or myself, those of you watching online, when you honor the Lord, when you do what He says, you are demonstrating faith. How many of you want to demonstrate faith? I know I do. But there is no faith to demonstrate if we lack what? My next point. Knowledge. Knowledge. Do you know God reveals Himself, the knowledge of who He is, through His Word? People may have dreams and visions, that's great, but if it doesn't match up to the Word, the Word of God always takes precedence. Any other voice has to subordinate to the written Word of God. Somebody say amen. When we violate the written word of God, we get into trouble. Bad things happen. Churches that do that. I have a new revelation. Not God. Not if it violates his written word. Somebody say amen. This is our measuring stick. This is our protection. This is the power and life of God. He sent his word and healed them. I have just prayed scriptures over my countless 50 years almost of ministry and knowing the Lord, you know, not in the full-time ministry and then later becoming a minister of the gospel, but as a Christian, I have prayed simply scriptures over people and God has healed them through the praying of that scripture verse. There's healing, deliverance, freedom, direction, wisdom in the Word. People get into trouble when this dynamic is missing. God revealed himself through Jesus. And who was Jesus? The Word incarnate. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. Jesus was the Word incarnate for 33 and one half years. God's Word then is our measuring stick because God and his Word are one. And that is the determining factor for right and wrong. You'll always find someone to agree with something God is against. People always want to build a quorum. Well, we've got a quorum here. It looks like it's a vote. Looks like it's a done deal. Doesn't matter what man says, it never overturns what God has given us in His Word. Some of you might be saying, man, you're speaking pretty hard, Pastor. I'm just speaking truth because I know something very special is coming to this nation, and it's not going to come through theatrics. It's not going to come through entertainment. It's not going to come through celebrities. But those who are least will be lifted up and an anointing is about to fall. 
And God is reorganizing. He is recalibrating his people, preparing them for something of significance. And God has said, Craig, just speak it and I'll honor it. David says what in Psalm 119.11? People say, how can I live my life in, in, in agreement with God? How, how can I really just you know, find a breakthrough from some of these things I struggle with, these attitudes, these issues. I've prayed for people who have had depression on them for decades. And in the name of Jesus, God breaks that spirit of heaviness and they're free. And they continue and begin to walk. Or they begin to walk and continue in the joy of the Lord. Healed. Because God's word reigns and rules. He has the final say. I've seen people on their deathbeds. I've been called to read last rites and then pray the prayer of faith. I know there's a time when people go home to be with Jesus. I understand that. But who knows that? Only God. So I pray and I trust. Amen. And I've seen some spectacular miracles over my ministry and my walk with Jesus. Take him at his word. He has the final say. Not any doctor. Some of you have testimony of that in here. I have testimony of that. Glory to Jesus. Don't you just love the Lord? How many want what he has for you? I mean, how many really want? How many want this passion? How many want to be just, just baptized, you know, in an overwhelming sense of his realness? His authentic, his authentic love and, and to become authentic as he is authentic. David says in Psalm 119, 11, your word I have hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Now that deals with knowledge, but you know what also happens? When you put the living word of God into your mind and into your heart, I always call it, it starts in the head and then the 18-inch journey from the head to the heart, once it reaches the heart, that's when lifestyles change. Mindsets are broken. Ways of thinking. And when that happens, habitual sin, habits, things that may no one else might know about, but God sees and He wants to help you. He wants to help me, any of us, if there's an area we're wrestling with. He wants to help. Sometimes people say, I don't want to tell anyone because they may judge me. And you know what? I get that. that. And that's probably true. There would be people that would judge you. And that's why I'm so glad when Jesus came, he did away with a priest. We don't have to have a mediator. We don't have to go to a confession booth. We can have that right in the privacy of our homes, our car when we're driving. Say, Jesus, I've been wrong. Forgive me. And confess that sin to him, and he will never, never break your trust. And he'll show you the way if you're willing to learn. How many are willing to learn this morning. I knew I am. God is ready. When he spoke to me in that dream, I just heard the voice. Didn't see anyone. I just heard him say. And there was a lot of noise in the dream. And this voice came from the background. It's like God was in the back of the building behind a large crowd. And I heard his Holy Spirit say, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And I woke up instantly. And I remembered as the Holy Spirit spoke that. And he's speaking to us today. 
I'm ready for a move of God. But I know there's things I need to do and there's things you all need to do. Those of you watching online, it needs to be done. We're not here for ourselves. The Bible says 70, 80 years, three score, 10, four score according to your strength. My mother is going to turn 95 next month. She's, she's going grace upon grace upon grace beyond 80 years. We're not here for us. We're not taking anything with us. Remember it was rumored, I, I lived during the Elvis era as well as, many, as well as many of you, and they said Elvis was buried with his Cadillac. Any, anyone ever remember hearing that? Well, that, that you can find in Snoops that that's not true. He wasn't, but yet there are people that have a mindset like that. They think they can take everything with them. The way you came in is the way you're going out. Do you hear me? All of the success, all of the wealth, the materialism, none of it goes with you. That's why I leave a legacy now when you can with your children, your children's children. One day when I'm an old, 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 old man, if the Lord doesn't come during my lifetime, I want to hear from heaven, right? My children, my grandchildren, who I love with all my heart. I want to hear Parker and Madison, Brian, Emma, Benny, Isabella, Elena, Gabe, I'm thinking, all these grandkids, and Elizabeth, all nine of our grandkids. I want to hear it echo through the streets of gold. Pop, pop, love the Lord. Pop, pop, love Jesus. I remember when Pop-Up prayed with me. I remember when Pop-Up told me the stories about Jesus and Moses and David and Goliath. Pop-Up lived what he talked. That's what you want to leave behind. The materialism, it's fleeting. You get rusted. Thieves can steal it. A dollar 50 years ago won't buy, what a do, won't buy now what a dollar bought back then. Money's cheap. Money's fleeting. We need it. It's part of the economy of humanity. But guess what? There's no money in heaven. We're in God's economy then. Amen? So what's most important? What touches God most? Do you know the prince of darkness wants to keep people in the dark? What he is, he overshadows on others. Do you know that I found this interesting? I looked at the Hebrew and the Greek, and do you know how dark or darkness is defined in the Hebrew and Greek? Interesting. Ignorance. Have you ever heard the idiom, keep them in the dark? Don't let them know what's going on. That's what Satan wants to do. And if we are not careful, even from a spiritual perspective, we can find ourselves so caught up in everything this world has to offer, we're in the dark when it comes to the things of God. So if that word darkness and Satan's title, Prince of Darkness, if you look then at the word ignorance, another translation of that word, that means 
The devil is the prince of ignorance. He is an ignorant devil, isn't he? You ever hear people use that? Well, it's really true of Satan. You see, the prince of darkness keeps people in the dark, and he does that by leading them as far away as he can from the Word of God. We don't need to hear about what denomination is better. Stop looking at the title above the door and look at this. What matches up? Is His Word there? Is there worship there? Do they love Jesus? Are they authentic? Or is it just another club? New clubs in heaven. Just the kingdom of God. The kingdom of His saints. Amen? Hosea said this. He said in chapter 4, verse 6, he says, My people, God speaking through the prophet, my people are destroyed. Why? Because they lack knowledge. The prince of ignorance has kept them in the dark. You see, the fear of the Lord is cultivated by the knowledge of the Lord. And when those two dynamics are there, that leads to my closing point, understanding. Understanding. Do you know understanding, simply put, is wisdom and revelation revealed? And it's revelation that enables us to know God. That's what Paul talks about in Philippians 3.10. Paul makes this prayer. He says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Anyone that prays that prayer, look at Paul's life. He was a walking spiritual explosion. Everywhere he went, things changed. Demon bondages were broke. Cities were turned upside down. Miracles were released. Because his heart really prayed one prayer. That I may know him in the power of his resurrection. How many want to know the Lord that way? How many want to walk in the power of the resurrection? If it wasn't possible, Paul wouldn't have instructed us to do this. Jesus wouldn't have said, we'll do greater things. But I think we've become so complacent. We've accepted the status quo as Christians and as the church. And we've lost sight of what God really wants us to do. He wants us to make a difference, to be an agent of change. That's what He wants. I thank God that if we ask Him, He will honor that prayer as Paul prayed, that we will know Him in the power of His resurrection. Knowing suggests intimacy. Intimacy suggests relationship, and relationship is what cultivates, here we go back, the fear of God, the reverence of God, the honor of God. This kind of fear, respect, reverence, and honor. Do you know what motivates it? Love. When you honor God, amen. When you honor God, that is our demonstration. I love you, Lord. So I say yes to whatever you have for me. I say yes. Honor the Lord. Honor the Lord. Obedience is always motivated by relationship. If you do it out of law, you're in bondage. But when you're in love, you do it because it pleases Him. In a marriage relationship, I do what I do for my wife and she for me. I love her. I love her. I don't feel like if you don't do this, Craig, I'm not cooking for you. I love her. I give with no obligation. And that's the way we are with the Lord. Of course He's going to bless us. 
He's the one that set up the laws of reciprocity, right? You reap what you sow. Let's look at our text again. Solomon said in Proverbs 9.10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is, here's that word, understanding. Understanding is also defined as insight and discernment. How many of you feel like you need more discernment? How many of you feel like you need more insight? Man, the world's tricky, and people around us. You never know what a person's motive is. God does, but we don't. But if we become one with Him, He will allow us to see as He sees. And that wisdom will save your life. Insight and discernment. You know what that does? It gives us the ability to apply then the knowledge we have acquired. Have you ever heard people referred to someone else as, that's a smart dummy? You ever heard that idiom, smart dummies? That means someone that has a lot of head knowledge, but they have no practical wisdom. They lack how to bring the application. So it's all up here, but they're totally detached from the world out there. Someone with knowledge, but no personal application, no wisdom. And that's why knowledge without understanding, you know what it is? It's a dead-end street. You'll always come to another roadblock. So in closing, in conclusion this morning, here's my question. How many of you here and there desire wisdom? How many desire wisdom? Just wave me down. If so, then you need to ask. Ask God for the wisdom. Jesus said, you have not because you ask not. James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him or her, for you ladies. It's God's promise. It's absolute. Can't change it. He's bound by this. If you ask him for wisdom, he'll give it to you. And not only a portion, but El Shaddai, more than you need, more than enough. It's amazing how Solomon... What did he pray for? He was 16 years of age when he became, you know, the king over, over Israel and following his father's footsteps. And he could have asked for anything. And God said, ask for anything, I'll give it to you. And he prayed for wisdom. Now, he may not have always exercised that wisdom later in his life. But still, what a great prayer. And he enjoyed the fruit of that wisdom. Wisdom brings lasting change. And lasting change will never be realized without the fear, reverence, and honor of God. The world needs Jesus. They do. They need Him so bad. And we need to go back to the way the Lord started the whole Christian movement. We need to go back to the roots, go back to the beginnings before so many hands had touched it. Before so many personal opinions had been interwoven as if their Bible commands as well. You know, honestly, living for the Lord is simple. It's about Jesus and it's about others. If you want to live for the Lord, Make it all about Jesus and make it about people. Your family, your extended family, your friends, your community, your place of work. 
there was a gentleman visiting in the first service. His name was Michael. He got saved at the age of 50. He's here visiting because his father's 70th birthday is going to be taking place today. But he flew up, came to church first. But after service, he shared his testimony with me saying, Pastor, I just got out of prison a year ago. Got saved there. Filled with the Holy Spirit. I lost everything. I lost my marriage. I lost my children. I lost all of my financial possessions. But then prior to getting out of prison, I found Jesus. And now I've got everything. And the Lord is my passion. Everywhere I go, he said, on my way up here for my father's celebration, there was a man next to me, and he observed I was reading the book Risen. Began to talk to me about Jesus. I gave him Jesus right there on the plate. I just give people Jesus. When they approach me, and it's amazing how God opens doors, isn't it? And I said, it really is. He has a passion. He has a passion. And that's what we need to ask God for. A passion for our King, our Savior, our Redeemer. And a passion for others. You know, last night Cindy went up and I was downstairs and I was just finishing up some final touch on this message. And she says, you coming? I said, I'll be right up. The Holy Spirit's just speaking to me. I'm praying. And God just overwhelmed me. And he said, Craig, I want you to love people even more so the way I do. He goes, give them truth. Give them Jesus. But don't judge. Don't take and hold it over them. Show them the way out. That's all the gospel is. And the way he shows them the way out through all of us through all of us this is the kind of fear reverence and honor that produces this life changing wisdom thanks for listening to the river of life church podcast subscribe and rate us right now on itunes to be first to get access to new audio messages every week visit rolcdoylestown.org or like us on Facebook to always stay up to date on what's going on at ROLC. If you would like to support this ministry, visit the online giving page at our website. Join us next time for more from River of Life Church.